welcome to episode 55 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization, and I'm happy to speak with all of you today. Uh, as many of you know, I have undertaken to study Perkeavot with uh, my family during this time between Pesach and Shavuot, and it's been really exciting. I mean, we're not really going in depth into all the Mishnayot, but we are definitely um, doing just a quick understanding of each and every uh, sentence and just a, a basic, um, not a deep understanding, but just a basic understanding of what the the sentences are saying, what, what each um, idea is, just to give like a basic early learning thought to our children. Um, if they have questions, we definitely dive in and talk more about it with them. But it's funny how um, each week, it's not funny, I guess it's on purpose, but uh, it's funny how each week we are definitely able to learn something about the current lifestyle that most of us have and how we can improve on our lifestyle with regards to organization and consumption. And a few weeks ago, I spoke about, you know, uh, more possessions, more worry. But this week, I want to focus on Parakdala chapter four, Mishnah Aleph, which says, Ezehu Ashir Hasameach Bechelko. We all know this one. It's a very, very popular um, saying. Who is the one who is rich, the one who is happy with himself, um, and or as my kids still say, and I can't get them out of it, himself. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that I think we should go a little bit further back into um, the Mishnah to really get a better understanding of of this idea. Now, you might think like. How is this totally related to organization? Well, for those of you who have been listening for a while, you'll know that I really, um, I'm a big proponent of zero waste and I try to encourage all of my listeners to waste as little as possible, to use as little as possible, to consume as little as possible. And I try to do that myself. And it's really an uphill battle, especially here in Israel, where there's just not a lot of facilities um, for recycling or their, the facilities just aren't necessarily as good. Um, and where packaging is super, super important. <laughs> uh, but it, it is definitely a little bit harder to do that here than it, it was for us when we lived in New York. But the thing for me, what I have always wanted for my clients and my listeners is that I want them to really understand that you can live a happy life and not have to have as many possessions. It's not all about the pursuit of material possessions. And in fact, that is what has gotten into this organizational, gotten us into this organizational mess in the first place is that we're always in pursuit of material possessions. We're never truly happy with what we have. Nothing is ever good enough. The shiny newness of the new thing that we bought wears off very quickly. And then we can only feel emotionally gratified when we go out and buy more and more stuff. Now, I'm not saying do not replace things that are broken or that are used up. What I'm saying is, is why do we put this emotional, um, 
weight on purchasing. I mean, why is it so important to us? Why does it make us feel better? And I think that's because we're not truly happy with what we have. But when I go into somebody's home, so much of what I see is that they have a shopping problem, that they that they are just like, well, I need more and I need more. And the thing is, is that they're not even using half of what they currently have. And they're still saying, I need more, I need more, I need more to be happy. And I think when we can move away from placing physical or, or happiness but because when we can move away from gaining happiness because we have physical items, it's a lot healthier for us emotionally because we are more emotionally secure. We're not placing our self-worth based on what we own or assessing our self-worth based our self-worth <laughs> based on what we own. We are, you know, looking inside ourselves to find the strength and fortitude to be our best person. And so many people uh, have been listening and call me and send me an email and say to me, why should I be concerned about, you know, what I send to the landfill? It goes to the garbage can and it doesn't affect me. Or, you know, why should I live a zero waste lifestyle? It seems like it can be contrary to halakha. Or why should I... Uh, not use disposables because God created them so that, you know, my life would be easier and, you know, we, we can save time by using the disposables. But the thing is, is that I think that besides for the waste of money that disposables is, um, and besides for caring about how your garbage affects other people or the environment, I think you should focus more on how the possessions affect you. How do how do they affect your day-to-day living? If you're feeling, you know, overwhelmed and like you don't have enough time and yet you have a house full of stuff and it's crowded and it's full, well, how... How come? How come you feel like, you know, I never have enough time or I I have to take care of all of this stuff and yet all of this stuff that you have is supposed to be there. You purchased it with the hope that it would help you do something better, right? That's why we purchase things because we think it'll make me look better. It'll make me look prettier. It'll help me think faster. It will help me be more healthy. It will any number of things that marketing has claimed, um, you know, are the benefits of the product in question. And I definitely think that we are a lot of times, and I include myself in the we, it's the royal we, that we are definitely victims of marketing a lot of times. I have made dozens, thousands of purchases, probably hundreds of purchases, if not thousands, that have, you know, been because of marketing and marketing is strong and and that's why I think if we take a step back for a minute and we go back a little bit uh, into the Mishnah we'll see that the Mishnah starts off by saying hold on I'm gonna pull it out here uh, Umashal Barucho 
Milujar ear. Like anyone who is a master of his passions is better than a conqueror of a city. And I think when we take a step back and look at that in context with Ezehu Asher Hasameach Bechoko, the the one who is happy with himself, uh, the one who is rich is happy with what he has with himself. Um, and we look at it as a master of his passions is better, uh, or we look at it with the, the expression, a master of his passions is better than a conqueror of a city, then we can easily deduce, and it, at least it's clear to me, that when we take control of the marketing aspect of things, when we're turning down the noise that's outside our or inside our head saying, make this purchase, make this purchase, you need this, it will help you, you'll be better. When we can turn down that noise and really strengthen ourselves and say, you know, we don't need that, it's a lot healthier for us from an emotional standpoint in terms of what we will um, collect in possessions. Um, but it also, it gives us the ability to say to ourselves, to our children, you know, we're good enough the way that we are. We don't need to keep up with other people to, you know, be our best, most spiritual, most healthy, most organized selves. To me, and I've said this before, but to me, it's not about how many bins you can buy to get organized or the most expensive tool to help you manage your time. Those things come when you have fewer possessions. Now, I don't think that if you came to my house, you would think that we are necessarily minimalists, that we have, you know, a hundred objects only. <laughs> we definitely don't each have a hundred objects. We definitely have more than that. And I think when you're from Jew and you keep kosher and you celebrate holidays, having a hundred items is not necessarily possible if you're, you know, if you have a family. And I think even if you don't have a family, if you think about what a hundred items is, I mean, even if you have a capsule wardrobe, uh, I think most people, even with a capsule wardrobe and what they would have in their kitchens and, you know, a books and all those different objects that you need to be a from Jew, like let's, let's consider it. Even if you have a smartphone and you have your Sidor and your Tanakh on your smartphone, okay? You can't use that on Shabbos. But let's just say Shabbos wasn't even really an issue right now. So that's one device, plus the charger, plus the headphones, so you can listen without disturbing anyone. Now you need a week's worth of clothes, like, to get along. So let's assume that seven tops and seven skirts and you know, seven pairs of underwear and seven pairs of stockings and or socks and, you know, two pairs of shoes, right? So you can alternate and you need bras and you need um, maybe like an undershirt. Uh, you need some sort of head covering. So, or I don't know, maybe you don't need a head covering, but, or maybe you wear pants underneath your skirts or maybe you just wear pants or I don't know what you are doing, but a basic wardrobe for even pared down, even just a skirt and a blouse every day, plus a pair, two pairs of shoes is still, you know, almost 25 items. Okay. So that's a quarter of the way to what we need to, um, 
or what we would consider, you know, being minimalist, that's, that's still, and that's really, I don't know, I think 25 items is not that much in a closet. I think it's a good number, but you still need pajamas and maybe you have something that you work out with and some socks. And so we're talking about just in our clothing department, at a minimum, if you could have 50 pieces, okay? And then we're talking about, let's say it's just you. Let's say you live by yourself and you keep kosher. So you need a plate for dairy, a plate for meat, a, you know, a set of cutlery for each one. Plus you need like some sort of chopping knife and cutting board for each one. I mean, this is already starting to add up. And then you have a challah cover for Shabbat and maybe a challah board and a challah knife. And you have a kiddush cup and you have, um, and I'm talking about just for you, and a Shabbos candles and a Havdalah candle and you have um, a Bissamim and you have, you know, well, you need matches, right? So all these items, they, they, they add up. And I think to live um, a lifestyle of a from Jew, you definitely need stuff. Even if you live a completely secular life, you still need stuff. And I'm not minimizing the value of stuff in any way. What I'm trying to get across is that when we can look at marketing for what it is and say, you know, they're trying to get a message to us to buy what what they want us to buy, and it's not necessarily going to make my life better, when we can honestly assess what a marketing claim is, it's a lot easier for us to say no. So it's easy for us to get, you know, hoodwinked or seduced into wanting to buy something, but it's also not so hard for us to peel back the layers and make an honest assessment. And so I always try to encourage people to, when they see something they want to buy, to wait, to think about the purchase. Um, that's like the beauty of buying secondhand, I think, because when you're looking for that object to buy secondhand, you got to wait for the right one and it gives you time to think about it. Do I really need it? Do I really want it? Um, is it, is it going to be useful to me? Uh, I always give this example, but <laughs> I love my iRobot. I bought my iRobot secondhand and I had to really think about it. Is this an investment? It's even secondhand. It's still not so cheap to buy an iRobot. And I had to think about it. Is it worth the investment to me to even secondhand buy this item? And in the end, I feel like it was totally worth it that the iRobot cleans for me in, in the, at night when, you know, we're sleeping and we run it before we go to bed. All we have to do is pick up the chairs because here in Israel, it does get dusty. And I find that, you know, it was worth it for us. But while I was researching the purchase, I had to stop and think like, is this, am I just buying into the marketing claim of it? Or is it something that can really make my life better? When we see, you know, so, so many products on like a daily basis where we're overwhelmed with like viewing new products that are all around us. When we walk down the street, we see them. If we see them on a billboard in a magazine, you know, um, in a commercial, we see advertisements to make us buy things all the time, but I think when we can look more inside ourselves and say, I'm happy with where I'm at, I'm okay with what I have, I think of everything that I have right now as a blessing from Hashem, and to me, that's enough. 
and I'm happy with that. And I think when we can be happy with what we have, we can turn around our life in a very momentous way. We can easily look around our house and see, wow, I have too much stuff and it's not helping me be a better person. It's actually holding me back. And so I must have, I definitely know that I learned Per Cabot when I was in high school. I even remember the Rebbe who taught it. I remember sitting in the room reading it, but I remember thinking to myself, like, this is not relevant to me. I don't understand this. This is not, you know. <laughs> so now, you know, learning it again as an adult, it's a lot more clear to me why, why we have these kind of sayings. And it's a lot easier for me to point out to my kids, like, hey, look, this is what we are trying to live in our house. And I think that also it's a lot easier for me to point out a lot of the things um, in Perkei Avot to my family because these are things that we have discussions about regularly. Like when my kids want to buy something, they know that we're going to have a discussion about buying it. They can't just come to me and say, mommy, I need X, Y, and Z. They need to come to me and say, mommy, I need X, Y, and Z here's why I need it and show me that they've thought about it a little bit so that I can, you know, help them assess if it's really a necessary purchase. And we definitely talk about things. Now, my kids, you know, they're growing, thank God, and they need new clothes all the time. <laughs> but we don't just go shopping for the sake of shopping. We go shopping with a list in mind. I had my son suddenly, I don't know, grew and none of his pants seemed to fit. And I usually try to save my shopping for when I go to America because it's cheaper and you usually get better quality stuff. So I took him to the store. I try to buy, you know, secondhand when I could or get hand-me-downs. But in this case, it was a little bit urgent and I needed to get him some pants for Shabbat. And I took him to the store and I said to him, we are going to buy a pair of pants and a shirt because that is what you need. We had we went through your closet and we decided that the only two things that were missing were an extra shirt for Shabbat and a pair of pants. And you don't need anything else. And we were able to stick to his list until he saw that there were flip-flops on sale. <laughs> And he's like, mommy, I need a pair of flip-flops. And so we stood there in the store and we debated what size the flip-flops that he had now were. These ones had a little bit of extra room to grow in them so that they would fit him for, you know, for a whole season in Israel. You really can wear flip-flops, you know, 75% of the year. So they are, you know, a worthwhile investment. Um, and he said to me, mommy, they really don't fit me. My foot is hanging over the other one. And at which point I said to him, okay, no problem. And then I was seduced at the register. <laughs> well, I know that my husband had just gotten rid of a whole bunch of pair of socks because they all had holes in them. And I'm very meticulous about my husband's socks and I don't let him wear socks with holes in them um, because he's a Kohen and people see his socks <laughs> when he goes onto the bima to say Birkat Kohanim. And uh, so... I try to be meticulous. I let him wear them like as long as he can. But I did just, you know, get rid of a bunch of pair of socks. And 
I saw that they had socks that I really liked that were on sale at the register and I got them and I was a little bit annoyed at myself because I'm like, ah, oh, I had a list and I didn't keep to the list and I was seduced by the sale at the register. <laughs> and, you know, in the end, whatever, my husband needed the socks, so it wasn't like the end of the world, but um, he probably could have gone without them and he was totally happy with what he had. So I felt like, you know, I had... For me, that was my way of doing something nice for him, telling him that I was thinking about him and I saw them and I, I buy all his clothes. He never would buy clothes without me. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, but I guess my point is, is we all have to work on it. We're all seduced by it. We all have to be able to say, I came into this store for X, Y, and Z. I can't also buy A, B, and C. And that's sort of the importance of always shopping with a list, um, but really being in control of our passions, our desires, what we think we are always in need of. Could my husband gotten by without that extra pair of socks? Yes, he could have. Could my son have gotten by without the flip-flops? Well, you know what? That's interesting. Probably not for much longer because he told me, mommy, my toes are starting to, you know, reach out over the end of the flip flops. So I went home and we looked at it and it was true. He was, you know, hanging over. So were the flip flops, you know, because I couldn't control myself? No. Did I know that he needed them? Not really. So I forgive myself for the flip flops. I'm a little hard on myself over the socks, but I feel like. I can forgive myself because my husband wears out socks enough and he his socks are getting a little bit old and, you know, a there was enough of them where I could justify to myself that we needed them. But see, that's just my point. I had to justify to myself the purchase. It wasn't really a purchase that I felt so great about. Like, I'm walking into the store and I'm buying just what I need. And if I see something else, you know, on sale, I think that's such a dangerous road to go down when we say, well, I, I know I need X, Y, and Z, but if I see what I need on sale, you know, something else that I might need on sale, I'll buy that too. And that's the thing, like, that's a really dangerous road to go down, both from a financial perspective, from an emotional perspective, from an organizational perspective. It's difficult to go down that road. So I think... Um, what I, I want to sort of leave you with is that part of getting to our destination of organization is being happy with what we already have. And that's really important. <laughs> I think, of course, getting rid of the excess stuff that we no longer need anymore is important, but feeling uh, satisfied is really what we need to take out of the whole organization, organizational experience. We need to feel happy with what we have. We need to feel happy with the direction that our possessions are taking us on, that they're not overtaking our life. And we need to feel comfortable with the fact that we are in control of, you know, our thoughts, our wills, our desires when it comes to purchasing because 
that's what really got us into this whole organizational mess in the first place is that we weren't in control of our purchasing. We weren't um, coming from a place of real need when we purchased. We came from a place of desire. And that is a slippery slope when it comes to accumulating too much. I mean, we live in a time where living a good life isn't so expensive and it's easy to get pretty good quality clothes at cheap places and pretty good quality, you know, electronics for not so much money or pretty good quality housewares for not so much money. And it's hard to see the value in almost anything because it's so cheap. (laughs) And I think that when things don't cost us a lot of effort to acquire and accumulate, they lose their value in terms of how important they were to us in the first place that we have them. So again, what I hope that you leave with today is that we all need to consider our purchasing carefully. We all need to step back a little bit and be a little bit happier with what we have. Even if we can just increase our happiness um, a little bit from what we have, that will make us richer. And to me, that's, that's the point of being on this journey is that our lives are better for having seen, you know, how we could improve it. And honestly, the improvement is part of the journey or the seeing that, the seeing the mistake you made and being able to improve it or, you know, critique yourself in an honest way is going to help you get closer to the destination. And I generally think that, again, I'm a fairly organized person. If you come to my house, you probably wouldn't think we are minimalist, but I don't think you would think we're particularly extravagant either. When I look at what we own as a family, I think to myself, gosh, we own so much. <laughs> I often think about when we'll, when we would move and how long it would take me to pack it up in comparison to, you know, other people, my clients. And I think like, oh gosh, <laughs> it's going to take me a while. Um, but then I think about it and I'm like, you know what? Not so much. It won't be so hard. All my books are in the same place. All my dishes are in the same place. It'll be easy to pack and easy to unpack and easy to mark. And it's true. There's a little bit more stuff than I would prefer to have, but that comes with the territory of running, you know, a religious household. And so I think what I wish for you today is that, you know, you look around your house and you say to myself, yourself, say to myself, don't say to myself, say to yourself, how can I be happy with what I have? How can I feel rich from what I already have without getting more? And you might even find that reducing is the key to feeling rich. So I really hope that um, you feel rich after listening to this and you look around your home and figure out how you can improve the emotional state that you're in so that you do feel rich from the things that you have. And I hope that it gives you an important uh, push to go ahead and declutter a little bit more just so you can feel even more rich. And I hope that this gives you some 
um, pause when you go shopping and you say to yourself, gosh, do I really need that? Am I controlling myself by not buying that? Or am I giving in to my needs? If I really need it, then okay, I should buy it and I should feel no regret. And if I don't really need it, then, uh, you know, I should be able to walk away. So I wish you a week full of happy organizing. I want you to remember that Hashem does keep you organized. So just repeat it to yourself like a mantra and eventually it will be true. You'll really believe it. Um, and uh, reach out if you're stuck or you need any assistance in any way. Reach out if you're stuck. You can email me at Rebecca at uh, RebeccaSaltzman.com. That's R-E-B-E-K-A-H-S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N.com. And I'll be happy to answer your emails. Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking to you all next week. Happy organizing.